Welcome to the LTC University Podcast, empowering and educating across the great state of South Carolina. Here we go. Welcome to the LTC University Podcast. My name is Jamie Preston, and today we have the CEO of SC House Calls, Matt Staub. And uh, welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, Jamie. It's, uh, it's good to be here. I'm, I'm a fan and a follower of your podcast, and uh, just an honor to be on. Awesome. Thanks. We're glad to have you. So, Matt, give us your background. You've done a lot in healthcare. You didn't, it wasn't the traditional route, I would say, in sure. your background a little <laughs> bit. But tell us from the beginning, where did you start? Sure, sure. Um, you know, it's kind of a funny story. Jamie, I I, uh, I went went to uh, went to USC and, and my undergrad is in uh, business administration, and I took a job right out of college um, as as a youth minister, mm-hmm. and um, you know did the American dream, got married, bought a house, bought a car, assumed a whole bunch of debt, and uh, and and um, during the youth ministry, you know I, I said to uh, to Scott Middleton actually. Uh, who was who was a, a volunteer because his kids were in my youth group. I said, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a part-time job. I don't have anybody to play with while the kids are in school. Um, and he offered me a job uh, at, an assi- at one of his assisted living facilities, mm-hmm. um, driving the bus to Walmart and, uh, and, and being an activities assistant. Um, and I really just kind of fell in love with, uh, with senior adults and, um, and, and really probably healthcare in general at that point. Um, so kind of made a transition from ministry to a church setting. Uh, and Jamie, I know you can appreciate that to, mm-hmm. uh, to a healthcare setting, um, and had the opportunity to, uh, to pursue, um, assisted living administrator license and a skilled nursing administrator license. And, um, just have kind of seen the post-acute world, uh, for healthcare and in a lot of different facets of, I've worked with hospice, um, you know, have, have done a lot with our pharmacy and now um, really have the honor to, to serve as the CEO for, for SC House Calls, uh, which is a physician service group. Cool. That's awesome. So before we jump into our topic, though, give us an overview of what SC House Calls does and, and what it encompasses. Sure. Yeah. Um, so SC House Calls... Um, has, has been around for, you know, probably the better part of 10 years. We've, we've um, had some, some name, change, name changes over those 10 years. Um, and really it started when, uh, when we had uh, assisted living and skilled nursing facilities. Um, actually, in a, in a skilled nursing facility in West Columbia, we had a, a registered nurse who um, had, had uh, gone back to school and, and got her NP degree and said, hey, you're a nurse practitioner. Uh, these folks in these uh, in, in this skilled nursing facility could really use some additional visits to supplement what the doctor's doing with the nurse practitioner. So that was kind of where it was born. Hmm. Um, and at the time, the, um, the, the overseeing physician uh, of this nurse practitioner uh, went on vacation, and, and the regulations then were a nurse practitioner had to um, be within 45 miles of their of their collaborating physician, uh, or they or they couldn't practice. So that physician went out of the country on vacation, 
um, and and she couldn't practice as a nurse practitioner. So that was really kind of the the point where we said, okay, do we want to move into physician services or do we not want to move into physician services? And and thankfully we did. And so we had we had uh, this physician service group that we were seeing in in all ten of our assisted living facilities and all of our skilled nursing facilities. So when we five years ago now. Um, when we divested of those facilities, we still had a physician service group that had the experience of operating in assisted living facilities, in independent living facilities, and in skilled nursing facilities. Um, so we were able to go to to other facilities and, and say, "Hey, um, you know, we've got this background, we've got this expertise, um, and and we want to we want to come in your building and, and provide this physician service." So that's really kind of where it started and, and from there it's just it's evolved as healthcare has evolved yeah i love hearing the origin stories of how businesses you know they may not have been started for that reason but they morph into something that is amazing and really helps helps the community a- absolutely and and all about all about meeting needs and i think specifically for us um you know, being patient centered and, and meeting the needs of those patients yeah. is, is really what's, what's helped us evolve and grow. Right. So let's jump into our topic and we're going to talk about healthcare. Um, how in your tenure, how, how have you seen healthcare change? Oh, um, great question. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think if, as, as we look at healthcare as it exists, um, you know, in, in the United States. So, so let me talk, I guess, from a, from a global standpoint, you know, we all have that vision of that, um, you know, that small town with the, with the town doctor that, you know, everybody knew and, and he knew everybody and he might've had an office, but he also had that little bag with him that he'd carry to, to, you know, his patient's house if they were mm-hmm. sick and, and couldn't get to him. And, and there was a, there was a connection there. There was a, uh, almost an intimacy there that, you know, that physician knew all of his or her patients and, um, you know, would, could call the kids by name and um, knew what was going on with them and really had that, really had that, um, that knowledge of the family and, and was a great historian um, for what helpful looked like for, for people in his or her town. But certainly, you know, that presented itself with access issues as, people either couldn't get to him or her or the office or that doctor couldn't get to the, to the person's house or, you know, maybe not have the, the medicine or equipment that they needed. And, you know, healthcare certainly, certainly has evolved um, from that model. But I, I wanted to start there, um, you know, from a, from a picture of healthcare, just because, you know, there, it was it was still that clinician and that patient having a relationship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as as healthcare grows and has certainly boomed since that time, obviously, you know, there was a there was a primary care physician. So that that town physician ended up being a primary care physician, which, you know, introduced hospitals and as as you know, a person would need to be hospitalized for illness, that primary care physician uh, would visit them in the hospital. And, and to some degree, that still happens, but not as much, um, because as, as the volume of hospitals grow, and again, healthcare grows, um, hospitalists needed more doctors to see patients that were there in the hospital, so they, they would hire hospitalists. 
right? Mm, to, right. To, and, and the primary care physician would say, well, that hospitalist that's there can, uh, can take over the care of my patient, and then I'll resume care when they, when they come out of the hospital. So that really introduces the idea to the patient that um, there's a connection with multiple doctors. You know, it's not just your primary care physician, but now also your the hospitalist and then, you know, surgeons or specialists, your cardiologist, your oncologist, as right. as healthcare continues to evolve. And, and that really kind of creates this idea of of a continuum of care and and a partnership um, with with other healthcare providers, with other services, with specialties that, you know, it's not just that primary care physician. Uh, taking care of your health needs, but really some specialty things as um, medicine has evolved and technologies evolved. Right. So, so then there's this idea that, that um, in, in a patient's mind that when I'm sick, I go to the hospital and the hospital is the best place to receive health care because that's where it all starts. Right. That's where all the health care could start or that's where I'll be fixed and I think that, that the, the pendulum has really swung uh, to, the, to the complete other direction of that. And, and the hospital may not be the best place mm. to get health care. So, you know, as I talk about health care from, a, from a, the standpoint of, um, you know, our country, let's say, um, 18% of, of our gross domestic product is spent on health care. So, so 18 cents out of every dollar. Uh, in our country is, is spent on health care. And in, in 2000, 20 years ago, it was 13%. Wow. So not only that, but, but other countries, um, you know, that are, that are our size and, and maybe patient volume, um, they spend half that on, on health care. You know, they spend around 10% of their gross domestic product. Wow. Um, in 2017, the U.S. average uh, spent um, just over $10,000. So, so $10,200 on was, was the average cost of healthcare for, for all Americans. Um, and, and again, countries of similar size spent half that of just over $5,000. So, so we're spending a lot of money on healthcare in the United States. And, and obviously the, the hospitals are the majority of, of that cost because it's the most expensive place to receive healthcare. Right. You know, because you, you've got expensive equipment, you've got expensive personnel, um, you know, and, and, and that's where a lot of that has, has gone to the point that, that last year um, hospitals, we, we spent over $1.2 trillion in, in hospital care last year, um, which is about $13,000 per person per hospitalization. Wow. Um, that's a lot of money. It's a lot you know, of money. But, but um you know, you think, well, I'm getting something for that. I'm, I'm, that's a, there's a good return on the investment. Unfortunately, Jamie, it's, it's not that. Um, of those comparable countries, the U.S. has the lowest life expectancy of 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 other the other kind of ten or ten or twelve comparable countries. Um, we're the worst in preventable hospitalizations and the worst in um, readmissions to, to to the hospital, and we spend double to get those, to get those poor results. Wow. So, you know, there, there's really a, a lot that, um, that as a country we've grown into this, this massive, 
um, healthcare model that really isn't great. Yeah. Just yet by comparison. For sure. I mean, the numbers don't lie there and that's going to be a huge, it already is a huge topic in our country with the elections coming up here this year. Um, we're hearing it on both sides and I think it's going to be a big thing that people pay attention to and show how they vote. Certainly. And, sure. and, you know, the Affordable Care Act is, is 10 years old now. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've seen we've seen positives uh, that have come out of the Affordable Care Act with some programs that, you know, have have put in place that we've seen kind of some results from early that um, to, to reduce spending and increase quality. And, and we've seen some places that um, haven't been as successful from the right. Affordable Care Act. But but it was the most significant piece of, of legislation since. 1965 when when medicare when the center for medicare and medicaid services were were um created so you know like you said it's, it's going to be a, a crucial election year for us and um the way healthcare goes uh starting in in 2021 will uh will, is is going to be very important yeah for sure thinking of that should we expect to see an increase in healthcare spending or is there a way to improve that um, you know, the, the, the answer to, to both of those is probably yes. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably see it increase before it gets better. Um, but I, I do think it'll get better. Um, you know, over, over the, the past really 10 years, um, the United States has really tried to get a hold of that spending, um, and, and, and really put some incentives in place and put some penalties, penalties in place for, um, you know, for, for quality outcomes so that we, we as a country are having a good return on our investment of our healthcare spending. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, it, it's, it's starting to have those effects. So in 2019, there were 47 hospitals that closed uh, throughout the country. In 2018, it was, it was um, more than, than half of that. It was 23 in 2018, and it was 16 in 2017. So, oh. Um, you know, that, that spending is, is really being monitored um, of, of, you know, what's, what's a good return on that investment. But at the same time, you have to think, well, if, if there's this many closures, um, then that limits access. You know, mm-hmm. how do people have access to, to good quality health care? So as these hospitals are closing and, and there's a, a limit to access, you know, there's this mentality that, that we need to to really help consumers and patients understand that um, healthcare services aren't just when I'm sick I should seek healthcare. So that that kind of the reverse of that. So that so I can live a healthy lifestyle, um, I need to move away from reacting to when I'm sick to to helping not to get sick or Correct. or preventing sickness or you know we've all done that thing where. You know, you wake up and you don't feel really good and then you wait a little while and by seven o'clock, you know, you've got a fever and you, you just feel terrible and you think, gosh, the only option here now is to go to the emergency department. Right. Because it's nine o'clock. So so really helping people um, have access to to a clinician that can that can act as a primary care physician that can um that can help prevent some of that so that the emergency department isn't the only option. Um, and one of the ways that, that CMS has put in place is um, 
one of those measures is, is a quality payment pro- program that they call MIPS, uh, which stands for a merit-based incentive payment system. Um, so again, really helping to, to factor, you know, what kind of results are we seeing for the money that we're spending? So, so clinicians, and when I say clinicians, Jamie, I mean, you know, doctors and nurse practitioners and right. physician's assistants um, can, that, that are eligible for this program, um, they could see an incentive or they could see a penalty. Right. So um, just at the beginning of, of this year in January of, of 2020, um, CMS released those MIPS results for 2018 because it takes a while to, to get all that information from the, from the claims data. And, and 98% of the clinicians that participated in the MIPS program will receive a, a positive payment adjustment, which really means that, that they'll receive a, um, a, a payment adjustment based off of um, the, the increase or the, the good factors that they have for those MIPS scores, or, you know, they won't have a negative, a negative right. impact. Um, so really the, the, what, what CMS says is, Hey, we're, we're putting these quality results back in the hands of the clinicians so that we can say, we want to incentivize you to, to take care of your payments, uh, not payments, I'm sorry, patients, um, and, and really put that in, in their hands. So, um, let me just take a minute to, to talk about MIPS and what that what, what those stand for. So there's really four um, performance criteria that that goes into MIPS or, or, or wheel for this year. So the first is quality, and that's based off the uh, the quality care delivered um, from from a performance measure. So you know what are those outcomes? Um, you know, how many hospitalizations or what kind of healthcare services uh, were engaged for a patient and, and what were the outcomes? Was there a deterioration and was that expected? Mm-hmm. So, so it's, really, it's really not just, hey, I provided you this service, provide me a payment, but what did what'd you get for that? Right. Um, the, the, the second part of MIPS is promoting interoperability. So interoperability is a real buzzword um, for, for in the in the healthcare in the healthcare world. And it, and it really means, um, you know, connecting and through a continuum of care. Um, and a lot of that it now is uh, like an electronic exchange through um, through uh, um, uh, integration of electronic medical records or file sharing, data sharing, um, so that you're being proactive with other healthcare entities or clinicians who are involved in a, in a, in a patient's care. Right. So that, that it's not just the, the oncologist that treats you over here is in a silo and your primary care physician is in a silo here, but really asking those two clinicians as the primary care physician and the oncologist to talk so that there's a, there's a continuum of, of information um, that, that is all patient centered. Right. And, and best outcomes for the patient. And then um, the third is, is improved activities, which um, really is a, is, is more of a, um, you know, practice focus as much as it is a, um, a clinician focus, meaning that there's an improvement in the care process. There's an enhanced patient engagement. There's increased access uh, for patients. And, and how are you as a practice and, and a clinician involved in that practice improving those? 
and then, and then the last is cost. Mm-hmm. And it's not just not just spending less money per patient, but um, you know the amount expected to spend on a patient uh, that'll produce good outcomes. Um, a lot of which is based off those those risk adjustment factors that uh, falls into hierarchical condition categories. And um, I believe I, I, again, I'm a fan, so I, I believe Trent Prater talked about um, talked about those risk adjustment factors on a podcast one of your previous podcasts. Yes, he did. It's a great guy. Yeah. And learn to, you know, let me give you a quick plug. If, uh, if, if you didn't hear that then go back and listen to it, he Trent did a great job explaining that. So Matt, how does SC house calls fit into this healthcare system? And, and I love what you guys are doing. You're, you know, as you talked about earlier, you know, kind of what care used to be back in the 50s and, and those times with the single doctor coming to your house and with the bag and and you guys have really really went back to that you I think of art art always comes back around fashion you always see fashions come back around and music come back around but usually in industries like healthcare and, and automotive all that it doesn't come back around but you guys are bringing it back around and you're Certainly. going back to the past. So Certainly. how are you guys Certainly. fitting into this new system? Certainly. And, and having, a, having a, a sense of full circle, you know, and, and I think with SC House Calls, um, we really want to make sure that, that patients are receiving quality care um, from a preventative and proactive way at the time they need it um, and having access to clinicians and, and team members that can help them navigate you know, the, the healthcare system while, while we're being good stewards of, of spending and healthcare costs that, that are put on us. So it's a, it's a interesting balancing act between, um, but between those two things. And, and I, I feel like, um, SC house calls has has really, um, has, has really found a niche, uh, in, in where we fit in this, um, continuum of care and, and interoperability and, um, and, and healthcare, you know, right now we're, we're only in South Carolina, but, you know, we'd certainly, certainly love to expand that, but, you know, we do it through a number of ways. Um, you know, I think, um, with, with our, with, uh, home visits. So, so we have nurse practitioners, um, physicians, assistants, and doctors that, that make home visits because, you know, the need we saw there was, um, this increased hospitalization rate. So, so patients would, would be in the hospital and they'd be inpatient and they'd be treated there and, and they'd be discharged. Maybe they'd go to a, a post-acute care center or a skilled facility, or they'd go home with home health and, and they'd leave the hospital and say, you know, follow up with your physician and follow up with your physician after your, after your hospitalization, your primary care physician. Well, that primary care physician, you know, it could, it could take a week or two weeks or, or sometimes up to six weeks for them to have the ability to see that patient in the office. So, mm-hmm. so we see a need there that, gosh, you know, if, if they're seen quicker um, coming out of the hospital, can, can we help prevent some of that? Um, so we started seeing patients in their home and, and really act as, as that conduit right. uh, between the inpatient environment, whether that's, you know, a hospital or a skilled nursing facility and a, a primary care physician. So, you know, we're that we're that intermediary gap between getting that person from inpatient 
and helping them get back to their primary care physician. So we're helping to promote that interoperability. Um, and, and we found that, you know, it wasn't just a one-time, hey, we'll see you once. It was, you know, some of these patients are, are coming out of the hospital still pretty sick. You know, they're seeing a physician every day there, and then they go home and they've got, maybe they've got a home health company that's engaged with them or a hospice company that's engaged with them. Um, and, and we work with, with those, um, those other entities, hospice or home health or, or, or any other services, um, you know, as, as the clinician piece so that we're putting the patient at the center, center of the care and we're, we're working with those other groups so that that, uh, that patient can, can thrive or they can, um, they can progress as expected uh, yeah. with support while they're in their home. And, um, you know, it's really taken off for us. We really started, you know, pushing um, and promoting our home visit model in January of 2017. And, and by that point, we had seen in, in January 2017, we saw 600 home visits. We did 600 home visits that month. So, you know, um, however many people that, that is, we saw them in their home 600 times. December of, of 2019, just last month, we did over 7,000 wow, that's home visits uh, in, in under two years and um, just just tremendous growth, um, all because of need, right. all because of need. Um, you know, and, and one of our one of our, our main focuses is those um, avoiding those unnecessary hospitalizations or, or rehospitalizations. Um, we had a patient. Uh, well, we actually engaged a patient. Um, who, very sick, um, COPD, had a history of a, of a hip fracture, um, you know, just, just a, a really sick patient who had been in and out of the hospital three or four times in probably eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the family, the family engaged SC house calls and said, you know, 2000, uh, November of, of 2018 is going to be no hospitalization November Wow, because they, they didn't want their their loved one going back to the hospital. Um, so, so we, we developed a plan, um, for, for this individual and, um, we, we were able to see her in her home, um, a little more than weekly actually, uh, in November of 2018. And she didn't go back to the hospital. Wow. So they kind of continued, Hey, we like this not going back to the hospital. Um, so December of 2018, uh, we, we, aggressively saw saw her again uh in her in her home setting that continued for almost 12 months um and in that 12 months we had seen this this particular patient um just over 50 times Mm -hmm. in in her home setting and and the goal was really um the goal was really not to not to readmit to the hospital uh unfortunately she did have a fall in uh october of, of 2019 and had to be hospitalized but you know, the, the analogy that I make there is that that one hospitalization costs more than the, the 50 plus times that we had seen her in oh, her easy. home setting. And, and we were able to, to, to really meet her need of, of not wanting to go back to the hospital. Yeah, this um, is a no brainer system. Right, right. Um, and and so so the risk adjustment factors that, that we talked about. Um, and that, that had, Trent had previously talked about on your podcast, you know, really help us have a have a system that we can use with the with the clinical judgment of our of our providers 
um, and using that risk adjustment factor to, to determine acuity. So, you know, does it need to be that that patient needs to be seen more often? You know, mm-hmm. we're all told, you know, you need to have that that annual physical. Well, well, what if you have a, a, a chronic disease or illness that that might make you need to be seen more than that? Right. Um, so, we're, so we're being proactive and, and preventative. Um, so it so it doesn't get to that point. And, and one of the ways we do that, too, is is through um, the utilization of remote patient monitoring, you know, with uh, devices that can track inconsistencies in, in blood pressure and weight gain, and weight loss and, and other vital signs. And um, I know David Tiefi did, did a fantastic podcast with you yeah. um, earlier that, that really talked about talked about um, the use of, of our remote patient monitoring. So there's yeah. another plug for me. Yeah, the RPM <laughs> system is really neat. Um, that is really innovative, and, and I think it's gonna it's gonna keep people out of the hospital. Um, is what it's ultimately Absolutely. gonna do. Absolutely, and and help provide access to care. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's one of the things that, that we really, you know, not just looking at at the the MIPS qualifications, but but really, you know, how do how do we engage patients? Because the the consumer, the patient, is is much more informed now. Um, than they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, because, because of access and because of, you know, uh, internet research and, and exploring other options that they can, they can be in charge of their health. Right. Um, you know, and, and so one of the ways that, that we helped with that is, um, we have a, a telehealth center that this open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, kind of, kind of operates like a virtual doctor's office. We do a number of things out of there. You know, a, a patient could call and say, I need a, a prescription refill or um, I wanted to check on my, my lab results. Um, we also do scheduling out of there. So you know, we've got a team that, that schedules visits and calls and says, hey, you know, the, the nurse practitioner is going to be at your house at, at Monday uh, between two o'clock and three o'clock. She drives a silver car. Um, so if you see a car pulling up in your driveway, you'll know that it's that it's her. Um and, and with that, with the 24-hour, seven-day-a-week component, we've got a, a team that's staffed at night, not just on call, but staffed at night. Um, so we've got nurse practitioners and nurses and, and um, medical assistants that, you know, if, if you're just not feeling good at 9 o'clock, you can call that number and um, they may call in a prescription to a local pharmacy or they may say, um, all right, you know, let's let's talk to me about they'll pull up the electronic medical record and say, I see you have a prescription for, you know, this medication, go ahead and take another one. Or, you know, are you wearing your oxygen? Could you lower the temperature in, in your house so that it's easier to breathe? So that, you know, we're, we're all taught. I have a, have an 11 year old daughter, Margaret, um, that, you know, early on you you have to teach them to dial 911 mm-hmm. when something's wrong. So helping people understand that 911 uh, is is an important option, but there's a other option for SC House Calls patients that, you know, maybe we need to call 911 with you if that's what's needed. Um, but then there's a clinician or somebody to talk to you that's that's there for support. Um, and, and and another piece, of, and I get really excited about our telehealth center, but yeah, another piece of that amazing. is is um, coordinating that care with with other clinicians. So you know, as as um, as we talked about before, with being the conduit between that inpatient environment and the primary care physician, you know, as we're seeing them, when that when that clinician 
um, sees that patient, we can send through our electronic medical record those notes about that patient to their primary care physician so that mm. they've got the opportunity to see what's going on and to see the progression um, for when that patient comes comes back into their office. Um, so, so a lot of great things about, about the telehealth center um, so that, that we're providing access to care and, and really access wherever you are, whether that's a home visit in your home and, or maybe you call an independent living facility or assisted living facility or a skilled nursing facility, your, your home, you know, we could, we could see you there. We, we do have, um, you know, the traditional bricks and mortar doctor's offices that we call main street physicians, um, throughout South Carolina that, that we see people there too. And, and one of the, one of the things that we really committed to is extending those hours of healthcare availability because, you know, people don't just get sick between nine, nine and four thirty Monday through Friday. No, they don't. Um, <laughs> so, so we wanted to make sure that we're, you know, have a have a model that, you know, is a is a twelve hour shift. You know, a lot of them are, are seven o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock in the evening. Right. Um, that we've got providers available. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how many times I've gotten sick. And it's been when urgent care is closed and, and some of those cheaper options that you really just need instead of the emergency room, which cost a fortune. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think that um, we've, we've got a great model for, for clinicians that we're constantly giving them continuing education um, to our clinicians, to our support staff. Uh, to be able to to help them grow as professionals, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it advanced care plans, for an example, um, is something that that we've we've had a strong push toward, of of having that opportunity between the the clinician and the patient to really talk about, you know, this is what your disease process might look like, or mm-hmm. not even a disease process. You know, what is it that you want? What are your wishes? Right. Uh, what what do you want happen so that you know, we're we're engaging patients to to move them through somewhat of a continuum of care that might be a primary care, and then then we're managing their chronic diseases, which then may move into a into a palliative care, mm-hmm. um, or may move in, in, into hospice, so that, that they're moving along a continuum, um, and really engaging and equipping our providers to help those patients with that. Yeah, um, you know, uh, medication. Um, prescription medication, helping our, our clinicians, uh, be abreast of, of new pharmaceuticals, helping them with deprescribing and really helping with, um, with, with polypharmacy or, or if your friend, uh, Dr. Kelly Jones, a pharmacist yes. says hyperpharmacotherapy. Mm-hmm. Took a lot of practice for me to be able to say <laughs> hyperpharmacotherapy. So I wanted to make sure I said it one more nice. time. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. And, and then, um, Helping them best, helping those clinicians best utilize their time with the electronic medical record. Um, you know, having having uh, support staff and and to help them with time management and and through through coaching, helping uh, helping our clinicians be able to spend quality time with their patient, do the part of their job that they need to do, and then be able to go home and spend quality time with their families. Yeah, man, and only time will tell. But who knows how much money you're saving medicare by keeping people out of the hospital and you guys are doing some amazing work using a different model that i think um that we'll see across the country here uh 
you know, soon, soon to come. I know other countries are going to these models, you know, over in Europe and, and different places. And I think you guys are on the cutting edge and also in, in the history books as well. So um, this is really cool. Thank you. Awesome. Thank well, you. We're really trying to make a difference. You know, um, our, our, our clinicians, uh, we, I think uh, for 2019, we, we saw over 32,000 patients Wow. Uh, and, and made almost, uh, um, almost, I guess a little over 250,000 visits, um, in, in various places of service and in home settings and skilled nursings, uh, assisted livings. Um, so we're really proud of that. And, and because of that need, because of, of the need for healthcare, um, December of last year, we had, we had 83 clinicians or December of 2018, excuse me, we had 83 clinicians. In December of 2019, we had 186. Um, so I'm just I'm real proud of the of the growth that SC House Calls and Main Street Physicians um, has has seen that is really meeting the need of providing quality health care. Yeah, your HR department has probably been really busy. I'm sure they are fantastic. <laughs> it's a fantastic team at SC House Calls. I can't imagine working with better people. Yeah, that's awesome. Matt, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Jamie. I really appreciate it. We're going to have you back soon. And uh, Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks so much. This is a great, a uh, lot of information I think people will really enjoy. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Just a couple of announcements. Every single month, on the first Monday of the month, we have an event called the Community Leadership Assembly. You are invited, especially if you're an assisted living administrator or skilled facility administrator and a social worker. You can earn up to three CEU credits at this event. You'll hear from a couple different speakers, and we're going to provide lunch for only $10. You don't want to miss it. So make sure you come to 1626 on Main in Columbia, South Carolina. You won't regret it. Also, if you'd be so kind to write a review for the LTC University podcast, give us a five-star rating. We would really appreciate it. We'd love for you to check us out on social media. You can go find us at LTC University on Facebook and at LTC University on Instagram and Twitter as well. Thanks so much. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Let's continue to learn together. Have a great day.